Good evening and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Welcome and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah and I'm the ministry assistant at Heritage and tonight we are going to be discussing one of the most controversial mysteries in the entire Bible, the Nephilim Giants of Genesis 6, as we continue our series on Genesis chapters 1 through 11 called Back to the Beginning. If you would like to join in the conversation tonight or if you have questions or need someone to pray with, please give us a call. Our studio phone number is 929-333-3739. And speaking of prayer, tonight... We would like to open our program with a special prayer for a 33-year-old mother of three named Tiffany Chu. I have mentioned Tiffany on this program before, Pastor, and she was diagnosed with terminal cancer recently. Yes. And mm. since we last prayed for her on this program, her cancer has only progressed. Uh, she has multiple tumors in her brain, lesions. She's in constant pain, and she recently told us that she cannot even hug her children, her dear children, or her husband because the cancer is so painful across her chest. So we're going to pray for Tiffany right now, and an emailed prayer chain has gone out across the country, and we ask people to pray right at this moment, 6.05, with us, and so I ask all of those listening to pray with us as well. Okay, let's Mm. pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you on behalf of this young woman of God named Tiffany, her husband David, and her children Maddie, Caleb, and Joshua. Lord, we have watched as the chemotherapy and experimental treatments have not stopped the spread of this cancer, Lord, and So we recognize that you anyway, Lord, are our only hope, Lord. So we kneel in humility and yet boldly ask you for a miracle. We are calling out to you, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, to you, Jehovah Roi, the God who sees, and to you, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Lord, you are all of those, and you are the God of the impossible. So we ask you, God, for a miraculous healing in Tiffany's body tonight, Lord. We we praise you, Lord, for bringing Tiffany and those around her to a saving faith in your son, Jesus Christ. And we know that one day she will meet you in person in heaven, but not yet, Lord, not yet. We ask you to give her more time on this earth to raise her children, to sing your praises, and to share the testimony of your miracles in her life, Lord. So, God, we love you. We worship you. You are our rescue and our deliverer. So it's in Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Micah, for sharing that need of your dear friend Tiffany. And we'll continue to pray for her. And we are excited about our program tonight to get into this very fascinating, intriguing passage that a lot of people have interest in. Yeah. And so we'll hope that even now, dear listener, you can call one of your friends and say oh they're talking about the sons of god and the nephilim and who exactly they who were they and what was going on and what how it resulted in the worldwide flood we're going to be getting into it and we have one of the uh, faithful members of our church who really has a passion for this subject Mm -hmm. brother chris fox so chris thank you for being here tonight to talk with us about this subject i know you're you're very passionate about it uh yes thank you pastor i'm honored to be here thank you for having me 
It has been a subject of my own study for about two decades now. And wow. Looking forward to contributing yeah. tonight. Thank you so much, and we appreciate your expertise, and I know you, you'll have a lot of insight for us this evening, Chris. So let's read the passage of Scripture and get right into it tonight, Genesis chapter 6, and I'll begin at verse 1. It says, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the land, uh, sorry, there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And he repented the Lord that he had made man on earth, on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Amen. Okay, well, let's pray. Father, now give us wisdom to rightly divide and understand the inspired, infallible Word of God. We thank you for this inspired uh, narrative that tells us what the conditions and circumstances of the earth were that led for you to bring that great worldwide destruction of the flood. Give us wisdom now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this passage, as we've said, has truly stirred the imaginations yeah. of God's people. For centuries, mm -hmm. it's been a center of great debate among God's people. But for us, it's practical as well, because it brings ancient history combined to prophecy. So it's not just something that happened in the past, but it does bring us to what's happening now and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So whatever view one takes on this passage, and we'll discuss a number of views, but I think we're going to be in pretty much agreement mm -hmm. in our studio here tonight, but our phone lines are open. If listeners have questions or comments about this passage, they can call us at 929-333-3739. Or if you have any burden or need tonight for prayer, let, let us pray for you and let us help bear your burden. Even, you know, there's burdens in this world, yeah, by absolutely. the way. You mentioned Tiffany, mm -hmm. who is having all of these uh, brain tumors. Mm. And one of our sisters here, even in the studio, just lost her brother in the mm -hmm. Philippines. And, mm -hmm. But she's here to pray with people tonight, yeah. even though she has a burden. Yeah. So maybe you've lost a loved one recently or going through some deep trial. Call us right now at 929-333-3739. But we see such gross sin. I mean, the sin that was going on is spectacularly wicked, yeah. something unparalleled mm -hmm. throughout human history, even up to this present time. It's some kind of unique depravity that led God to this ultimate destruction of, of the world at that time. So let's look at it tonight. We're going to seek to come up with biblical answers about who are the sons of God, who are the daughters of men, who are these giants or the Nephilim. And who are these men of renown? Mm. So let's look at this tonight, uh, Brother Chris, and we'll start really with you and just ask you this simple question, and let's get into who are these sons of God described in verse 2 that the sons of God saw 
the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wise of all which they chose. Who who exactly are these sons of God, Chris? Well, Pastor, the sons of God are essentially heavenly beings, fallen angels. Hmm. These are angels who have angelic origin, but no longer divine agenda. Um, some of the proof of this we can talk about. The scripture, Job 1, verse 6, first sentence. Mm-hmm. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And the same verse repeats itself. Again, the first sentence. And Job, second chapter, first verse. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. These are creations of God, hence mm-hmm. the term sons of God, yeah. and that's who they represent. Yeah, and so this phrase, sons of God, only does appear in the Hebrew Scripture in three other places. Mm -hmm. Is that correct, right? In Mm -hmm. the book of Job, Mm -hmm. in all three times. Job chapter 1, verse 6. Job chapter 2, verse 1. Job chapter 38, verse 7. And all three times, the sons of God refer to angelic beings. Absolutely. So you're saying that these sons of God here are also angelic beings... But fallen angels. That's correct. Disobedient angels. Yeah. Do you believe that one third of the angels fell along with Satan based on that passage in in Revelation? That's what Scripture says. However, this particular group of angels committed a sin beyond disobedience to God. They interfered directly with God's plan. Now, if we go to uh, Genesis 3.15, and this is after, of course... Um, Satan had come and tempted Eve and therefore Adam and I'm just turning to right now and the whole point of that verse was that there would be enmity between the seed of Satan and the seed of uh, the woman the woman I thank you just turning to right now I'm going to read it directly Genesis 3.15 I will put enmity between thee and the woman between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, this is directly referring to, later on, the Messiah. This is the first prophetic right. verse we have of Scripture, that there will be a Messiah, that the second coming of the manifestation of Jesus and man and God will come resurrect after dying on the cross for us. And the whole point of what Satan does, by I believe the instigation of these individual groups of angels to essentially fornicate with human women and produce hybrids, which we're going to get into momentarily, is to putrefy and taint the bloodline. In other words, there cannot be a direct seed between a woman and who would be Jesus if it was intermingled and therefore putrefied by these hybrids who were never meant to be in the first place. Satan despises the promises and word of God, and he's seeking to thwart God's plan. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pastor, you know, these verses are somewhat of a mystery, and I think that true Bible believers have looked into this and have come to differing conclusions. Uh, But my view is the exact same as Chris. You know, I think Genesis chapter 6 introduces something completely new to the story of humanity. So while men fell into sin back in Genesis 3, and then there was even murder in the very first family, the level of wickedness, as you said, Pastor, on the earth, it reaches a new level at this point. And the escalation of wickedness, it's introduced in these first verses by pointing out this strange union between the sons of God and the daughters of men, and then it mentions their resulting offspring. So when I break down the plain language of verses 1 and 2, 
first I see men, that Hebrew word Adam, which means human beings, both male and female. And those men began to multiply on the earth and had daughters which were born to them. And then in verse 2, it says that the sons of God saw the daughters of men. So the language itself indicates that the sons of God are different than men, and they're not part of that human race. So that's my starting point to interpret this passage. And I agree that those sons of God must be angelic entities, direct creations of God based on the other occurrences of that term in the Bible. Okay, and and let's just fill in the blanks to to some of the other views because sure. there are other views out there. Some mm-hmm. say that the sons of God is the godly line of Seth, mm-hmm. and that the daughters of men is the ungodly line of Cain, and so it was basically just merely an intermarriage between the saved and the unsaved, mm-hmm. the godly mm-hmm. line and the ungodly line, yeah. and that the world became ungodly mm-hmm. based on that. Yeah. Another view that Dr. Henry Morris posits is that the fallen angels indwelled or inhabited the bodies of these human warriors and basically manipulated the gene pool kind of point of finding the 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 most the strongest the tallest of man in that day and then and then man became a giant race of, mm. of mighty warriors mm-hmm. but Morris doesn't say that the sons of God are fallen angels themselves but were men possessed by these fallen angelic spirits. And we can talk about that, and Chris, why you may not think that that would be uh, true. And then some say that the sons of God are just lesser gods of a mythical past like Gilgamesh, which is really just basic pagan mythology. I think we could just reject that out of hand because we don't believe in pagan mythology. And then others say that the sons of God are human judges or powerful rulers, but, but human and not satanic. So Chris, what would what would you say to some of these other views? And I don't know if we have time to delve in deeply into each one, but maybe maybe just start with the first one because probably the most popular view other than the one we're saying that these sons of God are actually fallen angels is that the sons of God was the line of Seth intermarrying with the the line of Cain. Here's the thing. I understand there's a Sephite theory. Mm-hmm. Don't subscribe to it because the scripture in essence doesn't augment it, doesn't use concordance to back it up. In other words, it's out there, but there's no means substantiated. Meanwhile, you can use other scriptures. Um, book of Jude, shortest mm-hmm. book in the Bible, I would arguably the richest proportionally in his scripture for prophecy. Jude 6 and 7. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, in like manner, giving over in fornication and going after strange flesh, also set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. This says, in real clear language, that those who were of a higher plane, these angels, left their estate, left their place, hmm. And went upon basically looking for strange flesh. What would yeah. that be? Yeah. Human women. And therefore, the manifestation of these things, of these women and men became the Nephilim. And we'll talk about that momentarily. Mm-hmm. That is one verse. And there are other verses I can go into as well. The scripture makes it clear also in Second Peter 4 and 5. Do you want to go into that, Pastor? Or yeah, well, let me just say this about Jude 6 and 7, because that is a, it's a, a very fascinating passage of Scripture where 
it's clear that the angels, where it says they kept not their first estate, but literally abandoned this heavenly position of being a created race of angelic beings to glorify and worship God, they in pride fell with Satan, and then they were they were not satisfied with that position that they held. They were not satisfied with their exalted status and then instead made a catastrophic decision mm -hmm. to lust after the daughters of men. And this is this is heinous, this is disgusting, it's corrupt, and it and like you said earlier, it their their goal, their satanic goal was to corrupt the gene pool of humanity to defy the promise of God that he would bring a Messiah through the seed of a woman. Did yeah, I, I, you know, I read uh, there was a woman in our church. She is, was in our HDI class, and she had presented the Sethite view. That's, you know, what her research, and I read over her research. It was pages and pages, and it was really good research. You know, she had biblical reasons why she did not believe that these sons of God were fallen angels. But I do agree with you, Chris, that, you know, if you just, if your, if your premise is, I don't believe that, then you can come up with other verses, and I think we're going to talk about them tonight, where you would say, oh, but this contradicts it, but I do think that there is no biblical uh, confirmation that the sons of Seth were the, you know, that, that to me, there is no biblical confirmation, so I agree with you, Chris. Yeah. Not only I, that. I, can I just, real quick, Deuteronomy 32, verse 8, is a, gives a phrase that distinguishes the sons of men from the sons of God here in that it says they're the sons of Adam Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 8 the sons of Adam mm -hmm. so it's a distinguishing phrase from this this phrase in Genesis chapter 6 uh, the, son, the sons of God and also the Greek translation of the Old Testament the Septuagint translates sons of God it translates it angels mm -hmm. of God so yeah. Yes, and also um, there are ancient fathers, as I mentioned, who were very much in view of these beings being um, fallen angels. Justin Martyr, mm -hmm. Clement of Alexandria, Organ of Alexandria, among others. The Dead Sea Scrolls, within their translation, makes it clear these are fallen yeah. angels. Um, again, the Bible uses verse upon verse to build upon itself in concordance to prove itself again and again. Yeah. And one of the things that separates and makes it clear that these are fallen angels is the fact that their, their punishment was much more swift and severe. Satan still has reign. Satan still has realm. Satan still has access to heaven. It's been proven through him addressing God and so forth. In the book of Job and other things. Second Peter 4 and 5. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world but saved Noah the eighth person a preacher of righteousness and bring in flood upon the world of the ungodly this is directly showing mm -hmm. that those fallen angels who left their habitation who sinned mm -hmm. were directly correlating to what eventually took place with Noah and the flood so you're saying that the angels that sinned that are now in these chains all of that's the entire race of the sons of, of God who were taking the daughters of men. They're now in chains. None of them are free. This particular sect, yes, right. absolutely. So who? So let's talk about the demons then. Who? What are demons in relationship to these fallen angels? Can we get into that for just a moment? Now, 
this is something that's been done, it's been debated through scriptural interpretation and through deductive reasoning. But think of it this way. You have these hybrids, these Nephilim, these creatures who are the product of fallen angels and human women, supposed to be of different renown, different levels of strengths and legend and so forth. They were killed in the flood, but they're still semi-supernatural. They still have a supernatural origin through their angelic lineage. The spirits of these Nephilim, this, these hybrid beings. Yes, they still exist. They still exist, and they are basically were able, much of I do agree with a portion of Henry Morse's theory. I do believe, personally, that these spirits did inhabit the bodies of warriors and then transformed them into the post-flood version of what we call Nephilim. But these were not fallen angels. These were spirits of the Nephilim who had come into manifestation. Spirits biblically require bodies. Fallen angels do not take into possession. They take into counterfeiting them being themselves deities. They take into themselves counterfeiting being gods themselves. But it's only fallen spirits that manifest into possession and demonology and so forth. So your difference. view your view is that demons are the the spirits of these dead Nephilim. Yes. And that's that those are the demons we even see very prominent during the life of Jesus Christ, and that's very prominent in our world today. These are the demons demon that possession. Jesus exercised. These are the demons that Jesus okay. uh, basically cast out. It's it's fodder for thought, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I looked over at you. You're like, yeah, we don't know about that one, but we're we're pondering it. We're pondering it. Thank you, Chris. That's very interesting. So that's a little bit of the sons of God. Do we want to say anything more about the sons of God before we move on? To the daughters of men, then, and so let's let's go into the daughters of men, then, and who who are the daughters of men, Micah? Yeah, so just going back to the idea of the plain language of the text, I see no other explanation than that these daughters of men were simply the female offspring of the human race, and Scripture tells us that they were fair. That's that's the description here, but in modern terms, they were stunningly beautiful. So. We know that at that time they aged slower. You know, people lived 900 years. Their skin had no damage from the sun, the UV damage from the sun. We know they were vegetarian, so they were probably healthy and slim. But beyond their physical appearance, they also had almost perfect genetics, too. Remember that Adam and Eve had perfect genes, Mm -hmm. and these women were just a few generations removed from Adam and Eve. So it's my belief that part of the attraction to these daughters of men by the fallen angels was just as Chris was mentioning in Genesis 3.15, that God had told Satan that the woman's seed would crush his head. So Satan's plan all along is to stop and corrupt this human genetic line, therefore thwarting the plan of God. So these daughters of men were from both lines, the lines of Seth as well as the lines of Cain. Mm -hmm. But what we're seeing as well in this passage when it says that men began to multiply... I believe we see there a a real population explosion Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. these sons of God took the daughters of men. And Jesus even mentioned there was divorce and they were marrying and getting divorced and remarried. And so there was just so much ungodliness and immorality. There was a population explosion as well as a spectacular explosion of depravity that we, we, we think it's bad now, but it's... It's nothing in comparison to even as it was in the days of Noah. But we're heading back into those days. I mean, 
we're living in times where we're hearing about so-called swingers all the time. I mean, on tick TikTok is really wicked. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. every time I see like a news report about TikTok and all of the immorality and the the swingers and men and women and all the things they're engaging in today, I think that's what this is kind of talking about. Yeah. These daughters of men were just were just swingers. They yeah. were just going with whoever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say that yes, because of their interactions and exposure to these fallen angels they fell into sin keep in mind these fallen angels depending on your interpretation of scripture they weren't merely taking wives they were taking whoever they could get Mm -hmm. this was not a matter of matrimony Mm -hmm. this is a matter of forcible bondage and therefore uh, procreation in that respect this wasn't a matter of I'm going to love you, take care of you. It's a matter of your mind I'm taking you and then when I love you there will be others Mm. but it it says they took them wives Wives, yes, but I don't believe in a matrimonial sense, more like in the sense of possessions. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be a linguistic expert on the subject, but in essence, there will be many wives, have sort of polygamy, not one man, one right. wife for what God had purpose of man to procreate with humans. And that leads us actually then into the next question mm-hmm. then of the sons of God and the daughters of men. And then, so what did they do? And what were, what's the consequences then of, of their behaviors and actions where it says they took the sons of God, saw the daughters of men, and they took them for wives of which they chose. So what, what's going on there with that, Chris? So you're having a situation where these fallen angels have taken these women and they have created these higher breeds known as the Nephilim. Mm-hmm. And basically these are individuals of supernatural origin, but not divine. These are higher breeds which are abominations unto God. It's not what God intended. Mm-hmm. And they procreate quickly and have evil, abhorrent intentions. These creatures were not meant to be worshiping. They were meant to be basically counterfeits. They were meant to be showing, taking away from the creation of what God was with man and woman to have on the earth and putrefying the bloodline totally. Again, going back to Genesis 3.15, this was Satan's method of making sure there would never be a messianic line. Right. Yeah. And the reality of all this is there is a devil. Mm -hmm. The devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Jesus said to the to the religious rulers of his day, ye are of your father, the devil, the lust of your father, ye will do. He was a liar and a murderer. And so that's what we see him here. Mm-hmm. So, dear friends, perhaps you're feeling in the midst of great satanic spiritual warfare and you need prayer and you need help. Maybe you need a church to fellowship with. Come visit with us at Heritage Baptist Church on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., a Bible study. 11 a.m. is our morning service at 490 Hudson Street. Come on out and visit with us on Sunday morning. Visit our website at hbcnyc.org. And call us right now. Call us right now. We have call screeners who can pray with you, give you counsel, encouragement, also information about our church at 929-333-3739. Get to us right this moment, 929-333-3739. Pastor, yeah, and some of the people out there listening to this program, they may be asking, you know, are they really suggesting that the Bible is referring to the angels having intimate relationship with humans? That sounds crazy. And I would just say, yeah, that's what we're suggesting. And yes, it is crazy. But this instance 
it's not unique in the Bible because when we flip forward just a few chapters in Genesis 19, we read the story about two angels that come into the city of Sodom to rescue Lot and all the men of the city surround Lot's house, demanding to have intimate relationships with the angels. So Genesis 19:1 says, and there came two angels to Sodom at evening. And verse 4 says, and the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both young and old, all the people from every quarter, and they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them unto us that we may know them. So there may be some debate whether the men of Sodom knew that these were angels, but I would pretty you know, I'd be pretty surprised if the whole city, young and old, from every quarter, would be whipped up into this kind of frenzy if they didn't think that these were, you know, something other than just regular men. And all that to say there is a biblical precedent for unions and attraction between human beings and fallen supernatural beings. So where Jude says in the verse that you quoted earlier, Chris, that, that they gave themselves over to fornication going after strange flesh, that that strange flesh for them would yeah, be the angel. an, angelic beings yeah. that were not of, of human origin. So the sons of God are seeing and then taking whatever they want. Mm -hmm. That word took, by the way, is used of Lamech, who took two wives. It really speaks of selfishly grabbing for himself. And so this led, Chris, we're saying, to great immorality, polygamy, divorce, remarriage, population explosion, explosion of wickedness in a spectacular way that was not even imaginable previous to this. So... But many people will say, how can the sons of God, if they are angelic beings, how then could they have relations and actually impregnate actual women? Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the big um, arguments that people would make against the sons of God view because they say that angels cannot procreate based on what Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, that angels neither marry nor are given in marriage. So what would you say to that? I would say that these are not angels who are obedient. Mm. First, you have angels, although they have spirit form, have the capacity to become physical flesh in their own being. Um, you have angels who visited along with God in the pre-incarnate form. Abraham, who ate with him, had their feet yep. washed. You have yep. a Christophany, a, a appearance of Jesus in pre-incarnate, who wrestled Isaac physically all night long. You have an angel that, when needed to, destroyed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers who were set to pounce against Israel. You have angels that have manifested in physical form before. So the fact that these individuals can now have a, a procreation capacity... So we're saying as well, therefore, that angels, whether fallen or not, can resemble men. They um, can take on human form. They can eat with men. They can touch. They can hold. They, they uh, according to even First Corinthians chapter fifteen, they they have a seed. And I'd like to read those verses in a moment. But so that's what we're saying. But whereas demons cannot do do those things, demons cannot manifest themselves into a man. Demons need a body to inhabit. Demons at best can possess and take over by form of possession. Demons do not have a physical presence other than that. Demons are reviled. Demons are in need of a host in so many words. Demons yeah. are spiritual parasites. Right. Okay. They do not have capacity to take it upon themselves to do. They can only do it through a host. Okay. And, and I'm, First Corinthians. Yeah. Uh, this is 15th chapter. And I'm going to read the 38th 
through the fourth verses of the 15th chapter of Corinthians. Can you start up at uh, verse 30, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 38. Okay, yeah. But God giveth a body as I have pleased him, to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial one of the, of the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. That leads to me a big spiritual clue that these manifestations, these procreations of fallen angels and human women, are definitely proof. Again, Scripture proves itself upon Scripture. Yeah. And so, again, to emphasize this and to underline it, it says here that God gives it a body as it hath pleased him to every seed his own body. To every seed his own body. And then he goes on, he says, to bodies that are celestial, heavenly, or whether angels mm-hmm. or fallen angels, mm-hmm. godly angels or fallen, fallen angels, and bodies terrestrial. That would be us. Yes. We're bodies terrestrial. And bodies celestial would be angelic. So angels do have a seed. Exactly. I mean, case in point, the whole point of Genesis 3.15 is to separate the seed of Satan versus the seed of the woman. Mm-hmm. So right there, the scripture proves itself. Yeah. You just have to be willing to look at it as face value. Yeah. And, you know, it's fascinating to me that the idea of fallen angels and son, or sons of God coming down to take human women and procreate with them, it's also not unique to the Bible. So just like the story of the worldwide flood and the concept of angels and women, they're they're found in many of the ancient mythologies. Now, I want to be really clear as I say this. We believe the Bible is 100% accurate, and every word is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, and the ancient mythologies are wholly inaccurate. But I would just say that when there's crossover, I think that shows us that the ancients did have a sense of historical events even if they got most of the details wrong. And can I mention just one mythology? So there's one famous story of the rape of Europa. You know, they get the they get the word Europe from Europa, this Greek goddess who, you know, the Greek god Zeus, he disguised himself as a white bull and he abducts this beautiful Phoenician maiden named Europa and he swims to Crete with him on her with her on his back and reveals himself as a god and then proceeds to rape and impregnate her. And while that is a wild story, it is where the name we get of you know the Europe, Europe the continent that's where we get it and you know the image of this woman on the back of a bull it's depicted in a mosaic in the European Parliament building on EU stamps and posters and even some of the original euro coins it's minted on the back of those in 2002 I'll go uh, to further we just said wholeheartedly even the Bible itself if you look at the whole Tower of Babel mm-hmm. the whole situation you would all who were of one speech, one voice, under Nimrod the hunter, who uh, would be speculated by many to have been a post-flood Nephilim, mm. who disobeyed and would disobey to God and attempted to do something God did not want, so he simply separated them by scattering their languages. Well, every civilization has a flood story. Every civilization has a giant story. Mm-hmm. So the idea that these stories would take place across the world centuries and millennia later only proves again the Bible is true and just because again one story different languages spread across Mm -hmm. but one origin I think what has to be always remembered mythology copies a Bible the Bible's origin to itself right yeah Yeah. 
I used to push back against the sons of about the sons of God being fallen angels hmm. and angels cohabiting with human flesh from Matthew chapter 22 verse 30 that the angels neither marry mm-hmm. nor are given in marriage mm-hmm. but the mistake I, I believe that I made is I didn't read the whole verse because the whole verse what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22 verse 30 it says for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are as the angels of God in heaven hmm. and so I wasn't taking into account that these are the, the righteous angels, righteous angels yeah. that would never seek to procreate mm-hmm. with human flesh. Yeah, so that doesn't mean that fallen angels in their wicked lust and their desire to thwart the word and plan and prophecy of God to save the world through the Messiah wouldn't do that vile thing. Absolutely not. I mean, we can go to see an example. This is now New Testament Mm-hmm. And we can go into First uh, Peter. This is First Peter. Sorry, First Peter, third chapter, eighteen through twenty verses. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he may put us, that he may bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient. When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Again, this goes back to concordance of Jude, concordance of um, Peter, in another verse, that these fallen angels who perpetrated such a sin were quickly and severely punished for their transgression to directly have the audacity, have the abomination of himself to putrefy God's um, lineage, the, the lineage and the bloodline of the Messiah, that would not be tolerated by any set example for the future. Okay, so let's, let's move more now into verse 3, where God said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. So, again, for those who maybe take a Sethite view, it seems that he's just talking about their flesh. But so, Chris, what would you say of God's response in verse 3 to the great depravity of what's going on here? And what does verse 3 mean in the midst of this calamity going on at earth, on earth at this time? So to put it in secular terms, <laughs> God realized that there was a virus and the virus, in order to be purged, Earth needed a reboot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he chose Noah, who was not only a righteous preacher, right. but in verse Genesis 6, chapter verse 9, which I know I'm jumping ahead a bit, but That's okay. apropos, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And this does not mean that Noah was without any sin. Mm-hmm. As later we find out with Genesis, Noah had his own issues. Right. But it does mean that Noah's genealogy was still pure within the lineage from Adam to himself. Mm -hmm. Him, his wife, his sons were all of a pure lineage. Therefore, God was able to start over again at the purging, if you will, the virus of the Nephilim via flood and starting over. 
So if, well, and I know I'm jumping ahead here, but if all, if Noah and his sons were all pure, where did the Nephilim gene come from? Because even after the flood, there were still giants in the earth, clearly, you know, Goliath and even, as you mentioned, Nimrod. So I'll give you two perspectives on that. One which I believe, other which is shared by someone else. But as I say, let me start first. I'm of the belief mm -hmm. that, again, these same uh, spirits that were the deceased Nephilim, which actually did not die only in bodily form, but still exist in spirit form, mm. can manifest themselves later on mm. within the human gene pool. Okay. There's also a belief which is uh, promoted and may have great merit that one of the daughters of, I'm um, sorry, one of the wives of the sons of Noah had within herself the gene pool uh, infestation of the Nephilim, mm -hmm. and through her seed, the Nephilim began to manifest again. Mm -hmm. This is my thing. I'm not going to say one is right, one is wrong. I lean towards one, but I don't dispute the other. The Bible if, clearly doesn't teach one or the other, but no. the Bible does teach, though, that this that there were Nephilim, because the term is used post-flood. The term is so, used post-flood? So they, there had to be some way for the Nephilim gene, if you will, mm -hmm. to jump from pre-flood to post-flood. Certainly. You had tribes of Nephilim. Uh, you had the Canaanites, the Aconites, the yeah. Zemzemites, the yeah, Raphaites. The, the Zuzims, the they, Raphaims. They yeah. came back. Yeah, right. You know, it's and Goliath. Goliath was an example. In fact, mm -hmm. one of the things I always laugh about... Why did David carry five stones? Goliath had four brothers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And here's my thing. A good pitcher may have a great fastball, but he also has a curve as a backup. Who is to say that Satan's plans are not manifest in different forms in order to, again, come and so, attack? So what you're saying, again, is that the, the spirits of these Nephilim, which manifest themselves as demons, can inhabit the bodies, can inhabit flesh. That's my belief. And so that... You're saying that these demon spirits from the Nephilim inhabited bodies post-flood and carried on that Nephilim gene. Absolutely. However, I would not dispute the idea that the lineage of the son of uh, the lineage of Noah, one of Noah's uh, sons' wives, could have also carried on as well. Again, Satan could have had a two-pronged attack. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but what we do see here that's very fascinating to me is God says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. In other words, sin was in the world because of human rebellion. Mm -hmm. God doesn't say, I'm not going to strive with men because it's the devil. The devil made him do it, right? No, it, man is responsible for what is happening in the corruption of the world at this point, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And, and so, therefore, dear friends, we are responsible before God as well. No matter how difficult things might be in this world, no matter how much wickedness and evil there is in the world, think of even the pressure mm. against Noah yeah. to live for God. Can mm -hmm. you imagine being the only man no. along with your three sons yeah. to be really walking with God mm -hmm. and living purely morally? Yeah. That means there was, there was just immorality throughout rampant and it was basically no end the pressure but yet he did and if he did so can we so man is responsible dear friend so again if you need help this evening because you are caving in maybe compromising and maybe doing things that you know are not pleasing to God and your spirit is burdened and filled with grief and guilt 
Give us a call. We would love to pray with you and ask the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you and ask the power of the Holy Spirit to give you power to overcome the temptations of Satan in your life. Call us right now at 929 So, Michael, let's, let's move on now to verse 4, yeah. then where it talks about there were giants in the earth yeah. in those days. So... So it, it seems the progression is the sons of God take the daughters of men. Men are multiplying. There's a population explosion, and all of a sudden there's giants. So who are these giants, and how were they these called mighty men? Yeah, so, Pastor, we're talking about the offspring of the fallen angels and the human women, and it only makes sense that these are not your average human beings. So let's call it what it is. They were half human and half dark spirit or half demon. Um, and Genesis 6 verse 4 says there were giants in the earth in those days and also after that when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them the same became mighty men which were of old men of renown so we're talking about superhuman giants here who were physically mighty and famous throughout the land they held dominion over their human neighbors simply because of their size and strength and again this concept shouldn't throw us because as Chris was saying as Bible believers, we believe in Goliath, that strong and famous giant who taunted the Israelite army and tried to make Israel his slaves. But even before Goliath, it was the giants in the promised land who caused the Exodus generation of Israelites to fear and ultimately forfeit their inheritance into the land. Remember, the spies of Canaan in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33 said, And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in their own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. Yeah, and there are fossil remains that suggest that there were giants on the earth as they have found giant human footprint fossils. So what we're saying then, Chris, just to underline and, and make very clear, there were half-human, half-angelic hybrid offspring of these fallen angels. Half-human Half Satan, satanic. Absolutely. Right? And, and, then, and then they manipulated the gene pool in some way that they became physically large, maybe 8 to 11 feet tall. Yes, I mean, King Og, uh, which is mentioned, sort of a bed of 13 feet long. And again, Goliath, depending on whose measurement you use for cubits, was between 9 and a half and 11 feet tall. Mm. And these are only examples of what had come... Again, one of the things that comes into the um, scripture is these were men of renown. So what does that mean? You had legends that came from these uh, Nephilim. You had the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is essentially a counterfeit of the Noah story of the flood and so forth. And Gilgamesh being a hybrid, if you will. You had Hercules from Greek and Roman myth, who was basically the offspring of the deity of Zeus or Jupiter, depending on who you take it from, and a human woman. You had Achilles in the same so you're way. So say, you're saying that this, this pagan mythology came out of actual truth, but then it was stretched into just paganism. It was stretched, it was counterfeited, it was, it was yeah. say, stated in such a way so that we would worship creation, albeit tainted, rather than the creator. And that was the whole point of doing this. Even in today's culture, in so many words, this whole idea of manifesting the spiritual deities which are angelic perhaps but definitely demonic in their nature of being anti yes 
Yeah, we have a phone call here. We're going to take it, and uh, we're going to go right to James, James in yeah. Brooklyn. James, you're on the Heritage yes. of Faith conversation. Do you have a question? Yes, Pastor. My question is, did, did Noah's family got into the ark on Noah's merit or on their own merit? Okay, can you turn your radio down, James, because I'm getting that feedback. Okay. So your question is, did Noah's family go into the ark based on yeah. their own merit? Right. You mean their own good works? Correct. So, go ahead, Chris. I can say right now, if you yeah. go to Genesis 6, chapter, 8th, ninth verses. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. So, first and foremost, yes, Noah was a righteous preacher, absolutely. And Noah yeah. was with God, and Noah walked with God. But Noah was also perfect in his generations. His bloodline, his lineage was undiluted. It was pure. He was not intermingled with the Nephilim curse, if you will. Yeah. And that made him a perfect candidate for salvation in this respect. And he's also a type, if you will, for the rapture for the future. Yeah. And James, really, just to simply answer your question, Noah went into the ark because he was saved by grace mm. through faith. Mm -hmm. And do you know the amazing thing about Noah? We're going to talk more about him next week. We'll get into verses 8 and 9 as well. But if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, where Noah is mentioned in the, in the faith chapter, he's the only person in the faith chapter, the first two words and the last two words of the Noah verse begin with by faith. by faith so it's by faith at the beginning by faith Noah and mm -hmm. it's by faith at the end mm -hmm. so that's how he got into the ark James but we'll let you go thank you so much for calling and uh, God bless you brother okay so let's move on here to the significance Chris of these giants being called men of renown it even says in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 4. What does that mean, that they were men of, of renown? They were the legends, again, we look upon today. They were, again, your Hercules, your Gilgamesh, your Achilles, your deity of angel, if you will, again, deity small d, mm. intermingled with humans who became legendary in their feats. What this Or Goliath. Like well, Goliath, he was pretty legendary. I would say Goliath well. was legendary, and yes, Goliath was infamous, if not beloved. The other entities were more beloved, and as a result, what we have as a result is man giving credence, giving reverence to these hybrid abominations, yeah. taking away from, again, knowing who God is, who God was, or God always be. These were the heroes of the earth, I guess. Yeah. Micah? Well, you know, I was looking up who the tallest humans in modern history were, and as long as records have been kept, the tallest were below nine feet tall. So there were only 24 men on record who were above eight feet tall, and from what I read, these men had all kinds of medical problems. Some couldn't even stand because of their height, and, you know, there was a genetic disorder which caused them to be this tall. Most of them died very young in their 20s and 30s. Mm. So imagine that there were 11-foot giants walking and running around. I heard, I heard one legend saying they could run as fast as a buffalo, and as they were running, they could pick up the buffalo and eat a pe you know, bite into it. So imagine mm. how famous they'd be and how much fear they would strike in the hearts of men. It sounds like they were athletic in their abilities. Men of renown means men of the name as well, from my understanding. 
And that's used in Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, when Nimrod built that tower to heaven mm. and they said, let us make us a name. Yeah. So these giants were the famous names of their day, the heroes with great worldwide reputations. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So let's now connect this passage of Scripture. We're really just looking at these first four verses tonight. Let's connect this as we close to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 17 and verse 26. Maybe we could read that verse. Yeah. And Micah, how does Luke 17:26 relate to what we're talking about and bring it to our day? Yeah, so Jesus was speaking here about his second coming. And he said in Luke 17:26, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. And in the same breath, Jesus said a couple verses later, Likewise also it was in the days of Lot when Lot went out of Sodom. So it's interesting that there are these commonalities between the days of Noah, the days of Lot, and our day. So those commonalities, they may include an escalation of violence, increased wickedness, a complete disregard for traditional marriage, and even a scorn for God's commands regarding human sexuality. But beyond these outward sins, if our view of Genesis 6 is correct, Jesus may have also been pointing to a corrupting of the human genetics. And this is something that we also see in our day in dark laboratories across the globe. And I just want to throw one name out there to keep an eye on. So there's a Jewish atheist named Yuval Noah Harari, and he is considered mm. a prophet. He's praised by people like Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, and Barack Obama. And he says that humans are hackable right. animals. Yeah. And in his book called Homo Deus, which means man-god, he says that the next step of human evolution will be technological, where man's brain will be mixed with a computer. And he believes that eventually regular men, homo sapiens, will simply disappear, replaced by homo deus, man-god. So you're saying that the corruption of the gene pool in the days of Noah was Satan or fallen angels intermingling with the daughters of men. Yeah. But in this in the days of Noah that we're living in, mm -hmm. it could be a mingling of man with machine, yeah. man being as mm -hmm. hackable animal, yeah. and they they want to basically restructure mm -hmm. our hum humanity, yeah. and maybe maybe even vaccines and all of this gene therapy will have a role in that. Do you think? Yeah, well, I think <laughs> it's it's going to be technology. But I was also listening to uh, a teacher who's long since passed away, and he mentioned that you know once they start messing with human genetics and viruses, we don't even know what's going to happen. Chris, uh, just to say, for anybody who's interested in listening in the future, looking up this interesting subject, um, gentleman used to be a member of Heritage Baptist Church, Heritage uh, Ryan Peterson, Ryan P I T T. E-R-S-O-N, JudgmentsOfTheNephilim.com. Ryan's written two books, Judgment of the Nephilim, and his sequel, uh, Final Left Nephilim, and both are prolific to the study. Okay, thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for being here tonight and sharing your wisdom, expertise, and two decades yeah, of studying so out much, this passage of Scripture. Awesome. Dear friends, thank you, Micah, as always, for your amazing insights. Dear friends, prepare to meet the Lord. Jesus Christ came once and he's coming again. When he comes, let there may he find faith in your heart. Good night. God bless. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website, hbcnyc.org. And join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord.